Good morning. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. How you doing? I am doing well. Yeah. I had a good thing happen this week. That Ooh. I'm pretty, well, ja- well, pretty jazzed about. Cool. What was it? Well, I've been talking about like this Google approval thing that I needed to get for um, the calendar API. Basically, you can't use it in production until someone from their end verifies that you are good to go. And because calendar APIs are a, I think they call it a sensitive scope, um, you have to kind of like prove that you're not using it for nefarious things and send them a little video that demonstrates how you're using it and fill out this little like verification application it's like kind of a black box they're like it it could take three to six weeks and so i was a little bit a little bit nervous that it would actually take that long but i was officially verified this week so i'm stoked congrats yeah this was a big blocker for like being able to allow other people to connect their calendars so um yeah that's awesome seems like a, a pretty pretty big milestone yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm stoked. Now, I told you uh, pre pre episode that I have a a little rant about uh, how mm. the process went. <laughs> yes, sure. Let's hear. I don't know what it is about companies like this. I mean, I guess it's really not in Google's DNA to provide like good like customer support or customer interactions in general, right? They kind of just let their products do do the talking, I suppose. So this process, like you, you kick it off and it's through their little like management UI, which is already kind of janky. You can tell this thing is like, you know, you edit a form field and it won't let you click a save button until a certain form field's dirty, but sometimes it doesn't trip it. And so you have to like, it's already clunky as it is, but I managed to like get everything I think in place the way I needed to. You have to like register the scopes you intend to use or the maximum number of scopes you intend to use and yada, yada, yada. So anyways, I thankfully like wrote this saved in a text doc kind of my answers for their like four part um, verification application and I submitted it and I did record the little video and everything I think I did everything according to what they asked and sent it and I was pleased that within a few days I did get a response but the response was I think the first question they asked which is something that I addressed up front in my application was um it looks like Mighty Cal might be a development or staging application. Is it actually in production? And that was one of the things I addressed right there in the application was, so this is currently available in production by invite only and kind of detailed like the reason why, because it requires calendar access in order to actually function. And so I replied with basically reiterating exactly what I said in the application. And then the next email I got back was, Action required. It looks like there are unsaved changes in the Google developer console. Please go in and click the save button so we can start the verification process. And when I log in, the save button is disabled. There's like no way to click it. I mean, I could hack the HTML to click the button, but this is quite curious because it's not consistent with what they're reporting back to me. So I basically I took a screenshot, sent it back to them and said, um, yeah, so this button is disabled. I can't click it. And then they replied and said, action required. Looks like you have unsaved changes. You need to click the submit for verification button again. And that button was also disabled. So like I said before, I already had like the application saved in a text document. So I basically dirtied the state by like adding a trailing slash at the end of my URL, which is fine. And then I reclicked the submit for verification button and I had to refill out this form but I already have my answer saved. So I just pasted them back in, sent it to them. And then 
Um, I think there might have been one other weird, like, random back and forth in there. And then finally, boom, you're approved. So, mm. wow. I could just tell I was getting canned responses back. It was like, dear developer, thank you for, and then, like, reaching out was in, like, a different font. You know, like, I, like, <laughs> <laughs> just so janky. Yeah. That sounds par for the Google course, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But on the bright side, it, it all happened fairly quickly. Like I would I would write to them and then they would usually reply within the middle of the night. So, um, you know, at least it was a quick back and forth mm-hmm. and, and we got a cool. resolution. So, yeah. Do, I mean, does it make you nervous at all that, that they could just be like, actually, we've changed our mind and revoked your access? For sure. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I especially after hearing this, this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, based on how much uh, Mike Tabor railed against Google uh, on Startups for the Rest of Us for like two months, I'm not too concerned. That is one like concern that I have. Not a serious concern, but like currently these APIs are not under that restricted, the most restricted scope like like the Gmail API is. And if it were to, to get put categorized under that, it would require an audit and that would be expensive and time, time, cost time and everything. But Luckily, it's not right now. So hmm. nice. Okay, so you're you're one step closer. Yeah. So I, you know, this week was another one that just it just blew by, man. <laughs> when I'm when I'm charging towards a goal of like, all right, let's onboard some users. Ah, oh, feels like time just keeps uh, time just keeps moving swiftly. Um, yeah. I was looking at my calendar for today last night, and I was like, why do I have art of Pro- oh because it's Friday. Wow. Okay. It snuck up on me as well. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, this week on the product front, what I was fleshing out this week mostly was kind of the the ability to personalize booking links, because basically at the end of last week, I kind of had I reached the dog fooding milestone, like I can share booking links of my own. But I've become even more convinced that really the best way to use Mighty Cal is going to be with one off personalized links like and I think that's a major part of kind of solving this this power dynamic issue. So, um, like, if you go to the homepage right now, the demo reflects. Actually, I, I used your name without your <laughs> permission, but nice. Figured you'd that's, be okay with that. I'm into it. <laughs> so it's like a demo link for like a a pairing session, and say like you and I decide we want to pair, right? So I can send you a Mighty Cow link that has your name and my name on it. It's not like pair with Derek. It's like we want a pairing session and here are the two participants and our two avatars can appear up at the top and it's like let's find a time to do this so it's a level the playing field kind of thing like sort of like the the workspace concept that we were talking about before you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i think this is going to be the like the optimal way to to use it instead of like a generic like i think there's a time and a place for a generic scheduling link but for the most part if it's like you know, two people talking to each other, trying to find a time to meet, I think a personalized link is going to be going to be ideal. So I really wanted to flesh out that idea before before making it a lot harder on myself to like add that capability in. And I, I was kind of picturing like when I first start onboarding first users, what usage patterns do I want to what opinions from the product do I want to um, communicate to them and and like as I'm teaching them how to use Mighty Cal and how it it's a bit different than than other tools. And so this was, you know, I figured out like this is one of the pieces that I want to have in for sure. Um, cool. Yeah. Nice. I see there's even a tuple reference in there. There is. Yes. Cool. 
Uh, I noticed this doesn't look like the Stripe landing page. Did you want to change that to match the oh, new gosh. Stripe branding? <laughs> oh, man. That, yeah, I'm just I'm waiting for that wave. The, the gradient, colorful gradient wave. <laughs> I saw a designer friend of mine who's been working on a landing page and he said, oh my God, by like pure coincidence, this like landing page I've been working on looks like I ripped off the Stripe page that just oh, launched no. today. Yeah. <laughs> it's just by pure happenstance, which sucks. Oh, man, that sucks. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it, it does. It looks like, it was like, oh man, nice <laughs> knockoff, but <laughs> brutal. You'll never convince people that you didn't do that. Yeah. They're definitely doing some really cool things on there. I, I love the little, the subtle like animation of the icons. Did you see that? Like mm-hmm. when you scroll down the page and like, I think they delay them by a few seconds so that like it's likely to start animating when your eye moves over to read that block of text. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Good design culture over there. Yeah. They know what they're doing. Yeah. But I also will say that like the, while the, the colorful, header hero section thing is cool and all that doesn't feel like a design pattern that's super easy to to just airlift and replicate like that feels very kind of proprietary to stripes new design patterns on this page and it's not one that i would that i'm like really tempted to copy which is good i feel good about that you know because sometimes people will release will just like do something on a web page and it's like, oh, that's so smart. And I just want to do that, you know, and and the temptation is strong. And like, I don't feel that strong temptation from some of the bolder elements of Stripe's page, which I'm, I'm happy about. <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. That's good. That speaks to their, I think that's kind of like their creativity. Like they mm-hmm. made something that's like uniquely theirs. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. Uh, anything else going on with you? I would like to name a date <laughs> on on when i'm going to onboard users but i'm going to i'm going to hold off doing that for now um, okay do you, do you have candidates like in the wings yes i do yep okay. they're just kind of waiting for my waiting for me to reach out so cool. will you charge these people uh that's the plan yeah i think i think skin in the game is important good motivator and mm-hmm. uh aligns our incentives so yeah cool nice all right so like you might be like some number of weeks from first paying customers perhaps yes i think so i think so cool exciting that's always a fun fun era or or nerve-wracking i was so scared when we first started onboarding people yep (laughs) like don't breathe on it the wrong way or it will crash right (laughs) our first onboarding call like went really well or it did have some bugs but it mostly worked and it was like wow we, we like stayed on the happy path thank goodness it takes so long to make good software that was more than a year ago. It's like a year and a half ago or something. And it's like, there's just still so many things that like, yeah, we just haven't gotten to this part of the app or this part of the user journey or whatever. It's like, there's just, there's just a million things to keep doing better. Yep. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> yeah. But bit by bit, we're getting there. Do keep shipping little improvements. I did some, uh, some tuple pairing this week, which was fun. Joel and I were pairing on some, some Ruby on the back end actually doing some stuff that supports uh, that new signup page that you created for us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah which is great. That, man, that design is, is so nice. I like it so much more. It's like we're slowly getting rid of the parts that like clearly a bunch of programmers quote-unquote <laughs> designed and like yeah. someone that actually has a design sense uh, yeah. touch now. Uh, so that's that's exciting to me. There's fewer and fewer like truly ugly parts and some of them are quite nice. Like Joel and I both work from home uh, and then just like use tuple to pair and there's it's a pretty good app 
it's, <laughs> it does what it says in the box, you know? Yeah. It's, it's pretty good. good for pairing. Did a little dog fooding? Yeah. Would you say you miss, because right now you're not in the code a whole lot, right? No, not um, very much. Yeah. Do you miss it? Yeah, to some extent. I miss the ease with which I can kind of get in the zone. And also just the like comfort and competence I have around running a Rails app. I know what the error messages mean, even when they're weird. I've just got so much experience there. I rarely feel like, wow, I'm out of my element. I have no idea how to proceed here. Uh, but in there, there are other parts of the business where it's like, hmm, never done anything like this before. Let's try to figure this out. Right. I mean, you've talked about being fulfilled by, like, you like the new challenges thing, right? Like, it, you have maybe, I don't know if boredom is the right word, but you have a tendency to like, okay, I've I've mastered this thing. Now I'm ready for the next challenge. So like, yeah, do you think like if you were coding, just a thought experiment, like if you were, you know, one of the technical founders coding all the time, do you think you would feel like you were getting in a rut if you weren't? Because Rails is so rote for you at this point, or uh... Uh, maybe. I mean, if I were only writing Rails, perhaps yes. There's a lot of programming to be done in Tuple that is novel to me, like on the on the client side. Yeah, I think if I were just creating the Rails app, it might get kind of boring. It's fun to slip into the like doing some Ruby and just be like, oh yes, I know these this world and this editor and my these old, commands. My old friend. <laughs> yeah, my old friend. It's like coming home, and it's comfortable and it's it's satisfying if i were still living at my old home all the time it's <laughs> right. less exciting i think yeah i've had a couple of moments like this like i've written so many apps over the years and so much like so much code and a lot of the code we write is boilerplate it's not like core to the value proposition of the of the application but it's kind of necessary because i mean finding abstraction boundaries is hard and like ideally you'd be able to outsource everything that's not core and only write the code that's core but like that's not the world we live in like you have to you have to accept that like oh this whole authentication piece like it's kind of a solved problem but this is kind of it's kind of best to have it live inside my application code base and so i'm going to write all this permissions logic and do all this stuff but i do have these moments where i'm just like spending a couple hours on this thing and i'm like i've written this code literally 10 times before but i'm going through and i'm writing the same tests and writing the same code because well just gotta have it <laughs> yeah yeah it does feel that as time goes on we are getting higher level abstractions like stripe checkout for example like we used to have to you have to, have to write all that and like the the billing portal and, and whatnot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I've, I've written a stripe checkout and an account management thing uh four or five times now and now it's like oh we can just you know call theirs so we're we're making some progress. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, um, I know we touched on it a little bit last week, but the so the billing portal has that been like a pretty good experience on wiring it up. I mean, I know you participated in the beta and you guys have been using it for a bit. Um, yeah. Uh, so far, so good. It was easy to wire up, as most Stripe things are. Yeah, I can't think of any complaints for it yet. It was getting the authentication. That was one of the questions in my mind. It was like, how do you send someone over to Stripe? And make sure that they can only edit their subscription and not someone else's. Like, do you, um, you know off the top of the head how the like authentication handoff works? Or that's funny. It? I actually don't. So I think yeah. Joel did the implementation. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, but yeah, as far as I know, it's just like one controller endpoint where we figure out what token to send them over there with. Got it. And then call. Okay. They have like a Ruby, or like a, yeah, Ruby gem. So I think we call the Ruby gem and say like, build us the redirect link for a. Ah, that makes sense. The yep. account management thing, and then take me there. Yep. I think that's how it works. Well, cool. Well, I'm definitely gonna because that's uh, that's in general access now. I think I'm gonna. I believe so. Yeah, definitely. I'm gonna definitely be using that. I'm not gonna build that part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I remember it's it's funny. I think we've even talked in the past about like building, like maybe a couple of years ago, we talked about like building this sort of layer on top of Stripe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I always kind of had that feeling like, yeah, they're just it's that would be just way too dangerous, like to make your your company be a thing that's like one level up from where Stripe is. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, well, here they come. <laughs> I was having a conversation with with Matt Wensing about this yesterday, um, talking about like, well, he's since he's building Summit and consuming a lot of Stripe API data, he has some he has some particular wants and and needs from their API. But we're just kind of talking about like what's Stripe incentivized to do, and it's like they're they're kind of they're not truly a platform where like all the companies that build on their API contribute to the value of their company. They're just they're really just providing the service and like it's it's in their best interest to just kind of keep keep expanding their platform, which makes it quite risky to to like actually try to build a business filling in a gap that they currently have because they're not really incentivized. I mean, I think they're a pretty all things considered a pretty like good citizen in the software ecosystem. But at the end of the day, like they're going to build what they're going to build, whether it squashes someone in the ecosystem or not, because, you know, they just they want people to charge more cards. That's really their, right. That's their motivation. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I remember hearing Jason Cohen saying that like Salesforce as a strategy will intentionally not build features beyond their core sets so that their ecosystem of like plugins and whatnot stays really strong. And I think Stripe doesn't really quite have that ethos, perhaps. They're like, we want to increase the GDP of the internet and like solve problems for our customers. Uh, if you want to solve some problems for them too, cool. But that doesn't mean we're going to stop. Right, right. Which, I mean, as one of their customers, I appreciate. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good if they're continuing to keep expanding their product and like executing at the Stripe level of execution, which so far it seems like they for the most part are you know if they were to stagnate then that would be frustrating because it's like i know this company's capable of doing building the things that we need like this billing portal as an example you know but it did take them a, quite a bit longer than one might expect to to build this mm. so it's like you know seven like seven years on they finally have this like SaaS billing portal and it's like uh, in the meantime there's been a lot of people trying to launch that SaaS layer several of them exist um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah it's rough yeah. rough day for them i imagine i bet yeah that's like the whole like it, good software takes such a long time like on day one this was probably like a clear thing stripe could have done and they probably thought about it. i'm sure they were aware of it as like and got requests for it but it's like yeah it just was, wasn't the, the top priority for a long time or we didn't they didn't like they had the resources or the the ideas of how to do it well or whatever but yeah that's why I'm I'm really curious to learn what things that do I currently have on like my just not like listed in a backlog somewhere, but just in my mental mental checklist in my head of like this, this would be really awesome to build into Mighty Cal. And I suspect that some of those things will either never get built or will be like five years later. <laughs> yeah, you know? I, have, I feel the same way. <laughs> we get a lot of requests for things where I'm like that. I totally get why you want that. That yeah. sounds like a good idea. Uh, it's really hard and yeah who knows when we can we will prioritize this yeah yeah but i guess that's i don't know it's kind of good like there's, a, there's just like a big wealth of things you could do to bring value to your customers and mm-hmm. you'll keep chipping away at whatever you think the most important one is and right that, that's good and that's why blindly copying competitors is it, blindly copying competitors is not a good idea because 
you're probably wasting a lot of time re-implementing stuff that really doesn't matter that much. You know? Totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very easy to be like, oh, we need that feature. And it turns out mm-hmm. that feature actually is like not used that much or like it's kind of actually kind of janky or. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely a big danger. I remember Jason Fried talking about this, like when every time they would launch a new like base camp or high rise or whatever, like marketing website, everyone would kind of like blindly start copying their patterns. And he was like, you really shouldn't do that because half this stuff doesn't work that well. We're just experimenting like everyone else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they really just assume that like, well, if 37 signals did it, then it must be gold. I'm going to copy that. And it's like, nah, it's not necessarily totally. anything special. Yeah. We launched duds too. <laughs> yep. Yep. We had an interesting uh, thing happen. So when we, can't remember if we talked about this here but we shipped a new version of the like our call quality rating page yeah or like yep. box so after you complete a call we just ask you how it went and previously the way it worked is if you rated it a one or a two it would pop up a little box and be like you know, help us help you out are you seeing a recurring issue do you have any repro steps and then when someone entered a comment there we would cause it to create a support ticket and so sometimes we'd respond uh, to those things if it seemed like there was something we could do. But what that meant is that you'd log into the support queue and interleaved with all these emails were like just a bunch of bad news. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, our, our average call quality rating is like a 4.4 or like yeah. a 4.5. So like most like the median call rating is a 5. So like most people are having really good experiences. But if you log into the support queue, you just see this like list of the worst of experiences <laughs> right uh, and it's always come demoralizing but with this new feedback mechanism we started including the comment box for all the ratings so if if anyone wants to put a comment in there they can and so now each one is like a little bit of, it's like a it's like a loot box like you open it up and it could be a one or it could be a five it could nice. be like bad news <laughs> it could be good news um, but it's so they're they're kind of fun now to open up some of them are like rating five comment i love you guys nice and it's just yeah. like oh it's, it's it's so cool it's like it's it's nice to have mixed in with the negative stuff like the positive stuff it really has changed the the feel of those hmm. that's pretty cool yeah so I'm, I'm i'm psyched we made that change and we are getting a lot more of them so now it's like it's <laughs> there's like dozens every day um not everyone raised their calls but enough people do that we get a lot of them it is also interesting to see like there's like threes where it's like you know cut out for a while but then came back there's like intermittent issues or like small issues that were enough to downgrade it, but we'd never like, we wouldn't get a comment about it before or like, this is a four and here's why uh, there was like audio was desynced for a minute or something. So I actually do feel like we're getting a richer picture of how things are going for our customers. Now that we have comments on the full range of scores. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. It's like gambling. It's like that intermittent <laughs> rewards thing where you like you pull the, the pull the slot machine li- handle, right? It's like, right. What's going to be in here? <laughs> yeah, I, if I were you, then I would be super tempted to like check that queue all the time. Like, ooh, what's what's in there? What's I, in there? I check it pretty frequently. Yeah, <laughs> I get them sent. I, I read all the support requests that come in. They go to like a separate tab of my email, but I still like process all of them. So I'm I'm checking it a few times a day. Nice. Yeah. Keeping your finger on the pulse of the tupleverse. Got to do it. Got to know what the people want. <laughs> yep. Even when they want things you think you're probably not going to build for a couple of years. <laughs> oh, man. How many of those, I guess the more negative ones where they just talk about like random technical problems that happen, how many of those do you feel like you can look in logs or something and identify what happened? And, and how many are like, um, 
I don't know, a fluke in the tubes. <laughs> yeah, know? I'm not sure. I mean, I don't yeah. I don't actually do the support for them. Like Joel does the support for that. And every few seconds on a tuple call, we generate like a, a performance report and then ship that off to our log provider. So it, it is possible to say like for a given call, investigate it and kind of spot some things. So my impression is that sometimes there's some actionable stuff in there or it's able, like we can kind of trace it to a root cause. But there's also definitely, a, I think, a healthy proportion that's just like, yeah, not sure. Just packet loss. I don't know. Packet loss. <laughs> turn it off and on again, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it, sometimes people will even say like, you know, they'll rate it with three and then be like, uh, it was th- breaking up. I don't think it's your fault, though. I think I'm on a crappy connection. And so sometimes it's like, oh, that's interesting. Like we're getting a lower rating, but they know it's not us. Okay. I mean, that kind of kind of changes how, how, how that rating hits. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So we do our dream from the beginning and like we, we kind of started down this, but we, we have not realized this dream yet is like to give people more clarity about what is affecting the quality of the tuple call. We're missing some opportunities to like let people help themselves or at least make it clear what's going on. Even if they or can't at least fix like, it. Like a little late, like your internet connection is unstable or their internet connection is unstable, right? Surfacing totally. Yeah. It's like ben is experiencing high packet loss. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, that's now at least we can sort of st- like, oh, maybe it's because I'm too far from my Wi-Fi router or right. let me right. see if someone else is like streaming something on this network or something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. versus like the audio just started getting choppy. Yeah, if you can if you can just sniff around enough to be able to say like, "Hey Ben, tell your roommate to turn off Netflix." <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, we'll start uh sniffing people's network traffic. <laughs> Sounds ill-advised actually. I'm sure they would appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. But yeah, someday. You know, that's that's on the list of <laughs> things to build. Like clearly this is like clearly you should do this. This seems like a very good idea, but also like, you know, when will it become the top idea? TBD. Right. That's the yep. That's the art side of product, right? Totally. <laughs> there's, there's a lot to do. Mm-hmm. We're still chipping away at, at basics. Like, still, just like, oh yeah, we we just went. We 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 need to go from zero to one in this area because we just have no way to do this. There is part of me, not that I want to do this exactly, but there's like times where it's like, you know, you could conceivably hire five people and put them to work productively on the list of problems that we have, right? Like on all sides of the business like you know a, a success person like someone could be reaching out to like any trial that doesn't clearly activate and have success right away and like manually like offer to do a tuple call with them or like check their logs or see where they got stuck like there's like i think in like a, a fairly successful SaaS business there's so many little things like someone could be full-time working on the like email like automation the email automation stuff mm, like mm-hmm. a b testing different onboarding sequences and you know like annual upgrade offers and all this stuff there's just like so many opportunities for this that would probably generate more than their salary <laughs> so it's like should we maybe just do the like go out like wait like why wait right yeah. it's balancing the operational overhead of having more staff and making sure you have rep- good reporting structures and good support and all that um yep that, i mean that's the biggest thing for me it's, like, yep. it's sort of like profit buffer where it's like let's make sure mm-hmm. we don't like get start start getting close to the wire um and then also just like organizational sophistication like can we take new people and like keep them connected and up to speed and, and working on the right things and productive and all that given like the how well we know how to run an organization right now yeah yeah sounds like well and this is top of mind because i'm in a mastermind group with them but matt wensing's summit 
forecast. It sounds like Tuple would be a great uh, <laughs> a great company to run through some simulations of like, you know, six months down the line, say we hire three people to work on this thing and we expect this area to to give an ROI of this. Like, what does our cash position look like? And that's that's where it gets pretty. It seems like there could be some pretty interesting scenarios to run. Uh, I have been looking at his like Twitter demos and thinking, yeah, maybe we do want to try that. That might be interesting. I got a demo of Summit maybe like a year ago or something. And he's completely rebuilt it. Yeah. Yeah. And at the time, we were three people. And, you know, it's just like, this just doesn't really suit us. But he's rebuilt it since then and made it more sophisticated. And, and we've gotten larger and more sophisticated. So it's like, oh, maybe we might be growing towards each other. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't want to be guilty of, like, not doing the smart moves out of just, like, fear or doubt or something. You know, like, let's do some experiments. Like, let's let's try to hire that person. Like, if we think we can have a positive ROI, then mm-hmm. why should you wait a year to hire the person with a positive ROI? And it comes down to, like, risk tolerance, too. I mean, it's... I don't know what it feels like to... Well, I guess I've been kind of in this position before, but like having a payroll where like, even though things are things are going well right now, you still know like if something were to change, like you may have to let someone go and impact their livelihood. I mean, that's a that's a burden for sure. It's not it's not nothing, yeah. you know. Yes, for sure. And the more people you hire, the more the, the higher that stacks up, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. For, for us, there's like we're 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 not really close to the edge. Like we we could hire more people now um, out of profit, so it doesn't. I don't feel stressed around that yet. But if it's like we started creeping up, where it's like, okay, if we lost ten percent of revenue, suddenly we would need we would be in the in the red. That would definitely change how how it felt. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. Good problems to have. <laughs> yeah, so I keep having this thought, which I kind of like, which is, this is like my first real company, and so I'm curious what. I'm going to look back on it and be like, oh man, the first time I did this, I was such an idiot around these things. And like, I made all these mistakes over here. And like, someday, like my mindset, I imagine someday my mindset will shift and be like, oh yeah, that was my first company. Now on this next company, I'm going to do it this way because I learned these things on this stuff. And so like, I'm trying to like not stress about like, oh, I'm probably messing this up or that up. And it's like, yep, you're messing up a lot of things. Like everyone does the first time they do anything. And so like, do your best and try to learn from it and take experiences away. But like, there's really nothing you can, I mean, aside from having advisors and getting help and getting advice, which we do, um, there's not much to be done uh, except to like kind of accept that you are a limited, fallible human being. And like the first time you do it, you'll you'll have mistakes. Right. That's the kind of secret is like you'll never you'll never have a mistake free company. You know, even you'll learn a lot this time around. And then if there's a next time around, you know, in 50 years, obviously, because Tuple's going to be around forever. Of but, course. You know. yeah. <laughs> um, then, like, it'll be a completely different set of problems faced with you and, like, different, I don't know, every company is so unique. And that's mm-hmm. uh, that's why advice is so hard to generalize, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll figure it out. Yeah. We're doing all right. We'll keep trying to do all right and do better. And we'll keep talking about it on this podcast. Sounds good. Uh, where can you find the notes of the show for this podcast? Notes of the show can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you.